Um, I feel like I need to stand in solidarity with Josh. Uh, Josh got embarrassed this morning by being having to tell a story about him dancing to Rihanna. Um, I'm, going to tell, I'm going to tell a story as well, just to, to stand in solidarity with my friend Josh. When I was 16, uh, we had a, uh, like a talent show at school, and um, me and a couple of friends thought it'd be a good idea to um, do a slight, uh, I guess, slight spoof take. And when I was 16, um, there was a song which had come out called Single Ladies by Beyonce. Hand up if you know it. Yeah, everyone knows Beyonce, don't they? Come on. Um, and so me and these four friends, we decided that it would be a good idea uh, to, to enter ourselves in our talent contest um, as the four single guys. And so we, en- we ended up going and doing a dance um, in uh, sparkly sequined leggings and black t-shirts. Um, and we danced to, to single ladies in front of about um, 150 um, of our peers and their parents. So um, Josh, you're not the only one. I love a bit of Beyonce. Um, it is on YouTube. Um, unlike Stu, I'm actually on YouTube. So if you want to try and find that later. Um, my wife Maddie is at the back, so you might be able to find it for you. So um, if you want to see me dancing to Single Ladies by Beyonce, I won't do it now, but you can look, look at it on YouTube. Um, anyway, uh, I want you to turn to the person next to you, and I want you to say to them, Jesus has called you to lead. With, now with a bit more gusto, now with a bit more gusto, I want, I want you to turn and say, Jesus has called you to lead. Okay, now I want you to turn to the the other person on your other side and say, Jesus has called me to lead. And again, with a bit more gusto, with a bit more confidence, Jesus has called me to lead. I I wonder how that felt. I wonder how it felt to say to someone, to say to someone out loud, Jesus has called me to lead. Jesus has called me to lead. Maybe for some of you, that's something which you've known for a while. You're confident and you actually, you're like, yeah, you know what? Actually, I, I know that Jesus has called me to lead. This is something that I've, I've thought about before. But maybe for some of you, that's the first time you've ever said those words. It's the first time you've ever said, Jesus has called me to lead. And maybe for some of you, you're like, no, that cannot be true. That cannot be true. If only he knew what was going on in my life. If only he knew um, the lack of confidence. If only he um, knew the stuff that was in my life, which, which I think discounts me from leadership, then he would never tell me to say that. But our prayer is that as we step into this conference, is that you would, we would be able to leave and say those words with confidence and with boldness, that Jesus has called me to lead. We've got a friend uh, called Freya, who's been around One Life for a few years, and Freya first came to conference when she was 15. Uh, she was pretty confident um, at her church. She was involved in church life, um, led Bible studies, was, had loads of friends in church. But when she went to school, she was so um, lacking in confidence. She didn't really have any friends. And um, she tells a story about when she was 15, of um, at break time and lunchtime, going into the toilets, into one of those cubicles, and lifting her feet up onto the toilet seat so people couldn't see her when she came in. She was so unconfident and, and, and didn't think she had any friends that she would hide herself at break time and lunchtime because she didn't want to see anyone. She didn't want to have any of those conversations. And she came to conference when she was 15 years old. And she had what Liz was describing earlier. She had a light, light bulb moment, a moment of realisation that actually Jesus had called her to lead. Jesus had called her to walk with confidence and boldness, to step out with her, with her friends, to, to make friends and to be someone who carried Jesus' peace, to carry Jesus' presence as she stepped back into her school. Two years, fast forward two years' time, um, Freya's at the end of her time at school and Freya is voted by her teachers and by her peers as the head girl of her school. The girl who two years before had been sitting in the toilet with her feet up so no one would see her. She's head girl. She's the one who's leading um, the school council and is the person who's right up the front being voted for by her peers to be head girl. 
That's what we're praying for today, those light bulb moments. And it's not because Freya mustered it up in herself. She didn't think, you know what, I need to go into school and I just need to be confident. I just need to you know, uh, believe that I'm a leader and go in and just be um, really bold and really brash and just say, I'm a leader, I'm a leader, I'm a leader, I'm a leader. No, it wasn't. She met with Jesus and she was transformed by him so she could step into every space that she walked into with confidence and with boldness. And that's our prayer today, is that actually as you leave, you'd be able to say those words, Jesus has called me to lead. And know that it's not because you're really impressive, it's not because you've got all the skills, it's not because you've got all the answers, but because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and Jesus has called you to lead. And the way we're going to do that um, over these kind of three sessions is we're going to be looking at three stories from the Bible, three moments where people meet with Jesus and have a light bulb moment, where they meet with Jesus and, and, and understand and know something more of him for the first time. And uh, this morning, as Liz said, I'm going to be talking on leading with peace. And so if you've got, um, you should have had in your packs that you came with, you should have these little notepads, um, which have got a few little exercises that we, um, we'd love you to do. But um, there's also a pen and some notes pages at the back. Um, here we go. Everyone's finding their bags. Excellent. The problem is they all look the same. So you might pick up someone else's bag. But that's Okay. Okay. Great. Have a bag have a bag of popcorn as well if you get hungry during the talk. Keep yourself hydrated with our fancy cans of water. Okay. So when you get out your I want you to get out your notepads and turn to the back and there are some notes pages at the back. Have we all found them? Excellent. Great. So I want you to write, I want you to write at the top of one of those notes pages, leading with peace, leading with peace. And the reason we get you to, to, to make notes isn't because we're going to test you at the end of the day. We're not going to give you an exam on what you learn. Um, but I find it really helpful when I, when I make notes of, of stuff, when I write stuff down, even if that's just a few kind of key headlines or words that I remember, um, I think it just helps me to, to have it ingrained in my memory and actually, when you go home and when you're stepping back into your, your school or your friends or your family, when you're not at a conference where everyone's kind of going after it together, you can remind yourself, actually, this is the stuff that I learned on that day. You can remind yourself of what God spoke to you about today. Um, and so we'd love you in all of the sessions in the toolkits to be making notes um, just so you can remember what it is that God told you about today. So right at the top, leading with peace. And um, we're going to start with um, a story from, uh, from Mark's gospel. So Mark was one of uh, the earliest disciples and he wrote um, the gospel of Mark, which is a, a first-hand account, a story of Jesus and his life and his ministry. And we're going to read um, a story from Mark 4, verses 35 to 41, um, which is called Jesus Calms the Storm. Jesus calms the storm. Um, I didn't realise when I was preparing this talk that we were going to um, be doing this session the day after one of the biggest storms in 30 years. Um, but it feels quite appropriate that we're doing it. So I'm just going to read uh, this passage and then I'm going to pray. Mark 4. That day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind them, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Jesus got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. 
Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Father, I want to thank you for your word. God, I want to thank you for, um, for the Bible, this, um, this story we have of your, um, your goodness and your grace uh, and your word to us. And Holy Spirit, we invite you as I, um, as I open up this passage, as I talk about um, this passage today, Jesus, would you come and anoint my words? God, would you open up our hearts and open up our ears to what it is you want to say to us this morning? Amen. Amen. So this story starts with Jesus and his disciples sitting in the boat um, on one side of Lake Galilee. But just a bit before this story, Jesus had been uh, teaching. So Jesus was known at this point as a really famous teacher. And so many people would come from all over the area to come and listen to Jesus teach. And they'd been having um, a long day where Jesus was teaching in parables and he was um, speaking to the crowds. And um, the disciples were mostly fishermen. So they were, they were people who, um, who lived uh, around the Lake Galilee and they would spend most of their day um, going out fishing. And Jesus, he was quite a clever guy. And he knew that actually the way in which Lake Galilee, um, the, kind of the, the, um, the cliffs and the way in which the lake kind of was positioned is that they would often have these kind of horseshoe shapes in the lake. And so what Jesus would do is he would ask these disciples, these fishermen, he would say, can you go um, and take me out into the middle of the lake so I can speak to the crowd? Because what Jesus realised is actually if he spoke from, um, from the boat in the lake, he would be able to, um, to speak to the whole crowd. And there was almost like a natural amphitheatre, which, um, which would make his voice louder and all of the crowd would be able to hear him. So Jesus had gone out um, into, the, into the lake with the disciples and they were speaking to the crowd that had a long day of ministry. Um, and they get to, the, get to the end of this long day and Jesus says to them, can you take me over to the other side? It might be that he wanted to go um, and preach there the next day or maybe he was looking for somewhere to sleep. But he says to the disciples, can you take me over to the other side of the lake? And they set off and they set off on their journey and everything seems to be fine. But then they start to see storm clouds coming. And another thing about Lake Galilee, it was surrounded by mountains. And you can picture the scene. Again, if you, um, if you were out yesterday, I was driving along the M25 yesterday and um, coming here to set up. Um, and it was when the storm was just rolling in. And it was crazy. There was half the sky was completely clear and blue. And the other, the other side of the sky was black. And I knew that the storm was coming. I knew the storm was coming. And you can imagine the disciples, um, they see these clouds coming in over the mountains. And they're like, oh no, something bad is going to happen. They start to see the storm clouds gathering in. And these storms were quite common on Lake Galilee. These disciples, um, as I said, were fishermen. So they would have been spending most of their day out on this lake. And so they would have known something bad is about to happen. Before they knew it, the winds were blowing and the waves were crashing into the side of the boat. These disciples, they were, they were experienced fishermen. They spent most of their day out on the boat. But you can hear the panic in the passage. You can hear um, just quite how scared they were. In verse 37, it says, A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. You can picture the scene. Everyone on the boat is running around trying to um, maybe get buckets to get the water off the boat, trying to keep their, um, the sail so it doesn't, the boat doesn't flip over. And they come to Jesus. Everyone's running around. Everyone's panicking. They're like, what's going to happen? We might drown. And they come to Jesus and they find him asleep on a pillow. Now, we might think, uh, we might think of a boat and we might think of um, a big cruise liner or like one of those big battleships. And we think, you know what, you could probably, but you could have a pretty bad storm and you'd still be able to sleep in one of those boats. 
But this boat wasn't like that. This boat wasn't like the Titanic. This boat wasn't like one of those cruise liners that you might go around the Mediterranean on. Um, this was a small wooden fishing boat um, in the first century. So these were tiny boats, and there wasn't really anywhere which was covered. So Jesus would have been, um, Jesus would have been lying there, under, it says under the stern, so right at the back of the boat, lying on a pillow. And because it wasn't anywhere covered, Jesus would have been getting so wet. It says the waves were coming into the boat. So Jesus is just lying there, getting soaked, but he's still asleep. Um, he must have been a pretty deep sleeper. Um, I am a pretty deep sleeper myself. Um, when I was 15, I went on a school trip to China, which is pretty cool, not your normal tr- school trip. But I went to China um, and I was sharing a room with my friend Gareth. Um, and on, on the first night we arrived, we went to a, um, a restaurant and we'd done a few Mandarin lessons before we'd gone to China. So I knew a few words, but um, I didn't really know uh, how to read a menu in Chinese. And so um, we kind of were re- relying on the, the pictures to decide what we were going to have for food. So we ordered a few things. Um, and it was very nice, very tasty. But what I didn't realise is that my friend Gareth had um, an allergy to soya. Um, one of the other things I didn't really realise is that most Chinese food has soya in it. Um, and so, uh, luckily, it was kind of a few hours... He, was fi- he seemed to be fine. Um, and, um, but a few hours later, when we'd gone back to our room and when we were asleep, Gareth started to feel a bit ill. Um, and Gareth ended up having a really, really bad allergic reaction to something which he'd eaten, dur- eaten during the day. And... Um, Apparently, he, he woke up, he came up to me and he was like, Tom, 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 wake up, wake up, wake up. I'm having an anaphylactic shock. And apparently, in my very deep sleep, said, yeah, okay, I'll get up in a minute. And then turned over and went back to sleep again. Poor Gareth had to like crawl his way along the corridor in this random hotel in Shanghai to our teacher's door to knock on the door to try and wake up our geography teacher to say, sir, 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 I'm having an anaphylactic shock and Tom won't wake up. So poor Gareth, I had no idea any of this was happening. So poor Gareth, uh, you know, ended up having an anaphylactic shock, had to find and wake up our teacher. And I woke up in the morning and went downstairs, um, you know, in my ignorance for breakfast. And everyone was like, is Gareth okay? Have you, you know, is he all right? I was like, yeah, I think so. Why? And they're like, don't you know? He had, he had an allergic reaction last night. He was really, really ill. I was like, I had no idea. And I saw Gareth later in the day and he was like, I tried to wake you up and you actually talked to me, but you have no idea what happened. Um, now, luckily, Gareth was okay. And um, actually, for him, it was great because he got to eat McDonald's for the next two weeks because um, it was the only thing we were sure didn't have soya in it. Um, but I can, I can imagine the disciples being a little bit like Gareth was with me when they're in the boat, when the storm is coming in, when the waves are crashing over the boat. And they're like, Jesus, 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 why aren't you waking up? Do you not care if we're going to drown? Now, you might not have been caught in a physical storm. Maybe you were yesterday. Maybe you were caught in the storm yesterday. But I, I can't imagine there's been many of us who've been in these moments where we're scared for our life in a boat on a lake. But we would have all had moments And maybe you're in one right now when it feels like life is a storm, where the winds are swirling around you and maybe you feel like the waves are crashing over you. And perhaps um, that storm is worry or anxiety. Perhaps it's um, people at school are just being really mean to you. Maybe it's your family life is really, really difficult at the moment. Or maybe it's something like a habit or um, an area of your life that um, you know you don't want to live in anymore. It's something which you don't want to do, but you just don't know how to stop. You don't know how to change. And maybe in these moments, maybe in these moments where it feels like you're in a storm, you've asked Jesus that same question. Jesus, why are you not waking up? Why are you not doing anything? Do you not care? Do you not care? 
I, um, I grew up around church and my parents um, went to church and so we went to, we'd go along to Sunday school growing up and then was part of an amazing youth group when I was a teenager. Um, but it wasn't until I was about 14 that I really understood who Jesus was and who he was calling me to be. And I remember I grew up um, in Norfolk. Anyone from Norfolk here? No, just me. Okay. It's mostly, it's mostly my, my family and sheep. They're kind of the people who live in Norfolk. Um, so I grew up in Norfolk and we went to this youth camp in the summer when I was 14. And I remember standing um, and looking at this guy who was preaching on the stage um, and he was talking about forgiveness. He was talking about the forgiveness that Jesus offers us. And for the first time in my life, I realised that um, faith wasn't just something which um, I did and I believed in because of my family, but actually God loved me for, for myself. He knew all of the sin. He knew all of the mess. He knew all of the brokenness in my life. And yet he, choose, he chose to die on the cross so that I might have life in all its fullness. And I remember there being a really significant moment. And um, I went back to school in the September. And up to that point, I wasn't really that keen on telling my friends that I went to church. Um, I wasn't really that keen to talk about faith. Like if people asked, I was happy to sort of say, yeah, yeah, like we go to church. But I didn't really want to tell people. But I remember going back to school in the September and something shifted in me. Something changed in my life where I realised that actually like, my friends need to come to know Jesus. My friends, um, I, w- I want them to know who this God is that I've met. Um, I realised that actually there was, there was something different, a di- different way of life that God was calling me to live. I remember going back to, to school in the September and before I go to school, praying and saying, Jesus, give me opportunities to talk to my friends about you today. And it was amazing. It was an amazing shift in me and God really did something significant um, at that stage of my life. But around this time um, as well, um, I, as I said, I was 14. And around this time, I, I realised that um, the friends, the people that I was at school with, started making decisions and doing things, which um, I realised now, actually, as Jesus had called me to live differently, weren't the ways that I wanted to live. They weren't the things that I wanted to be doing. And I remember going to a friend's house um, one day, um, a couple of years after this, and um, we were sat on a school bus and... Um, these guys at the back of the bus were passing around um, a phone and um, I was like, what, what are they doing? Um, and I realised it was, it was, they, were, they were looking at porn and they were showing each other porn. And that was the first time I, I realised actually what, what is it that these guys are doing? And that became part, a common part of our conversation in the lives of my friends. It was watching pornography. And gradually, as we got a bit older, um, people started going to parties and drinking lots. Um, it became the expectation that if you had a boyfriend or a girlfriend that you would um, be sleeping with them. And that just became a normal part um, of, my, of my, kind of my friends' lives and the people that I was at school with. And in the midst of this, I knew that moment where I met with Jesus, I knew that he'd call me to, be, to live differently. I knew that he'd call me to, to be distinct, to, to step out and to be different in the world around me. But it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. People started to make jokes um, and comments about me because of the way in which I was living, the different decisions I was making about my life. And I remember one day when I was 16, um, I'd gone to science class, and I don't know um, if you're at school at the moment, if you have those like pegs outside your science class, because um, they don't want you to burn your bag on like a Bunsen burner or something. Um, so I'd, I'd hug my bag up um, on the peg, and I'd gone into my class, did science, and came back out again. And I realised my bag was open. I was like, that's weird, what's happened? Um, and I went in, and I realised that um, one of the guys in my school had taken out um, my book, and he'd written, he'd written some really nasty messages, and he'd drawn some quite horrible pictures in the back of my book. I remember going, I was upstairs, our science block was upstairs, and my next lesson was in maths, and that was downstairs. I remember walking down the stairs, and this embarrassment, and just like, just like, I don't know what to do. I was so upset, I was so embarrassed, and I was like, Jesus, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I remember sitting in maths, just being like, what on, like, why am I doing this? Why am I trying to live differently when actually this is the way I'm going to be treated by the people in my class? 
I was angry and upset and I just wanted to hide. And notice what the disciples ask Jesus in verse 38. If we can get that on the, on the screen. Verse 38. The disciples, when they're in the midst of the storm, they say, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Don't you care if we drown? As I was sat there in my mass class, that was the question I was asking. Jesus, do you not care? Like, don't you care? I'm trying to live differently. I'm trying to live for you. But it feels like I'm just getting um, battered from side to side. It feels like my friends just aren't interested in talking about faith. It feels like actually um, I'm just putting myself in the way of, of being made fun of because I'm trying to live distinctly for you. I just wanted Jesus to take me out of that situation, out of the storm that I was experiencing. But in this story, it's in this moment when the storm is raging around, for me when I wanted to give up, and for these disciples when they're feared for their life, that Jesus speaks. Jesus speaks. Verse 39, again, if we can get on that on the screen. It says, Jesus got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still quiet, be still. Imagine what that would have been like. Imagine what that would have been like for the disciples. One moment, they're, they're, you know, the waves are coming in, they're crashing over the boat, the wind is swirling around them, and then suddenly everything is still and calm. I imagine them looking around in disbelief at each other, still dripping wet and freezing cold from the fact that the storm had just been battering them, trying to figure out what on earth has just happened. What on earth has just happened? That maybe they look at this man, Jesus. This man they've been walking around with. They know quite well. They've been hearing teach. The one who was a few minutes ago asleep on a pillow in the boat, thinking this man has just stood up and said, peace, be still, and the winds and the waves have stopped. For these disciples, the winds and the waves would have been the thing which they feared the most. As I said, they were fishermen, and so their whole communities, their whole lives would have been based around the edge of Lake Galilee. And for them, the, the storms would have been a constant fear. As I said, they were in these tiny little boats, and so if there was any storm which came across, then it would have been really dangerous for them. Perhaps they had, um, they had friends or family who might have died in storms like this. And so when this storm came in, for them, it was the biggest threat to their lives and to their livelihoods. It was the biggest thing. It was a constant fear for them. And yet Jesus stands up. And to the biggest threat that they, they could think about in that moment, Jesus calms the storm with one word. Quiet, peace, be still. If the storm uh, was the thing that these disciples feared the most, if the winds and the waves were the thing which they thought was going to take their lives, I wonder what that thing is for you. I wonder what that thing is, that, that thing that you are most scared about at the moment, that thing which just feels overwhelming and, and, and impossible to change. I'm just going to give you a moment just to think about that. What's the storm in your life? What's the thing you're like, this is just too big for Jesus to solve. This is just too big for Jesus to sort out. What I want to say to that thing, to that, that storm that you're facing, that thing which you're like, this is just too big. Jesus wants to speak peace. Jesus wants to speak peace. Sometimes we can think of Jesus as just a good moral teacher, someone who has, um, there's amazing stories about him in the Bible, and he says really profound and wise things. Um, or perhaps we think, actually, you know, Jesus is a really great guy. He's a good example to follow. Um, or maybe we think, you know what, um, I love coming to church. I love worshipping because I get a really, really warm, fuzzy feeling when I worship. Um, and all of those things are partly true. 
But actually, the God that we follow is so much bigger than that. He's so much bigger than just a good example. He's so much bigger than just someone who's wise and says good things. He's so much bigger than just a warm and fuzzy feeling. He is the God who calms the storms and the waves and the sea with a word. In Genesis 1, right at the beginning of the Bible, it says in the creation story that God was hovering on the water. The Holy Spirit was hovering over the chaos and he speaks a word and light comes and creation is brought into existence. God speaks with a word. He, all of creation, the stars, the planets, the mountains, the amazing views, the um, great coffee, the amazing um, lasagna that we're going to have later, all of that stuff is spoken into existence in a word with Jesus. And I think the disciples probably would have been quite shocked in this moment when they were asking Jesus, 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 do you not care? Why are you not waking up? I think probably what they expected him to do was come and get a bucket and try and get the water out of the boat with them. But rather than doing that, Rather than, doing, rather than just going, you know, doing something really simple and really easy, he speaks to them. He speaks to the, the waves and he speaks to the storm and he says, peace. And I believe that what he's doing in this moment, what Jesus is doing for the disciples, and I believe what he's doing for you and for me today, is he's saying, the Jesus that you follow, the Jesus that we're singing about today, is the same God who threw the stars into space. He's the same God who created all of um, the universe with one word. And that means that he's powerful to change the situations and the circumstances of your life. He's powerful to change the worry and anxiety that you're facing. He's powerful to to change those relationships, the stuff that feels just too big and too overwhelming right now. Jesus is powerful because he's the God of all creation. But not only that, not only is, um, is God powerful, but God is close. God is powerful and God is close. Jesus' peace in the midst of the storm. Um, After calming the storm, after um, everything has settled down, Jesus turns to to the disciples and he asks them, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And sometimes I think we can read this and think that um, Jesus is really angry with his disciples. Like, do you not have any faith? You know, why, why, why don't you believe me? Why don't you, th- you know, why don't you think I could do that? And sometimes we can think Jesus is really angry and he's almost like telling the disciples off as if they've failed some sort of test. But I think when I read this passage and when I, when I think about the person that Jesus is, the way in which he interacts with people, I think that he's instead asking them and longing for them to understand who he is. Don't you realise... Can't you see? Why are you so afraid? I'm here, I'm with you. Then the disciples have their light bulb moment. They have that moment of realisation where they say in verse 41, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him with just one word? The disciples realised that in their panic, in their fear, in all of the the questions and the chaos of the storm, they realised that actually the God of the universe, the God who can can create with a word, has been with them in their boat. God doesn't stand far off. It would have been really easy for for God in this moment to, to be up in heaven and just to speak with a word and for everything to be calm. But actually instead he chooses to come and to engage with them. As I said, these disciples were fishermen and this boat would have been there every day. It would have been the place where they spent all of their time um, and Jesus chooses to come into their boat, to step into their every day and to meet with them and to speak peace in their every day, in their boat. God doesn't stand far, far off. God doesn't shout at us from heaven. He comes close. He meets us in our every day. 
when I was in my maths class, feeling that sense of embarrassment and shame and just being really upset and wanting to get, get out of that situation, Jesus was right next to me. Jesus was right next to me, comforting me, speaking peace into my life. And Jesus is with you as you step into your schools, as you step into those spaces where it feels really, really hard, as you step into the questions and the, the challenges that you're facing, Jesus walks with you. It says later on in the, um, in the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians, that um, because of uh, what Jesus did on the cross, the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God, has come and made his dwelling in us. It says that we're temples of the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, the temple was the place where God dwelt with his people. And in the New Testament, what it's saying is actually that we have the Holy Spirit, the very presence of God, walking with us, inside of us, living in us. And so actually, as you step into your school, you can know, because it says in the Bible, that the Holy Spirit is with you, that Jesus walks alongside you. He isn't far off, but he's close. For me, after that moment, um, when I was in school, not everything changed. It wasn't, I didn't have one of those moments where suddenly the storm disappeared and everything was fine and dandy again. But actually, um, I knew something shifted Something shifted in me because I realised um, around the same time I got invited to be part of this group of small, um, this small group of young people, and um, I had a mentor, a guy called Paul. And um, every month we would meet um, in Costa. Above there was like a big Tesco superstore um, in the town where I grew up. Um, and every month me and Paul would meet, and um, we'd have um, a hot chocolate. And then I started having a bit of a mocha, and then moved on to a latte. So I had a bit of a graduation through the coffee. Um, if you want to talk about coffee, we could talk about that later. Um, anyway, um, every month we would meet for a coffee or hot chocolate and and Paul would ask me questions and he would encourage me to see where Jesus was at work in my life and I began to realize through those moments through those questions that Paul asked me that actually Jesus the 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 storm didn't discount me the stuff that I was finding hard didn't discount me but actually Jesus was there with me in it and for these disciples this wasn't their final storm this wasn't the final that you know their lives weren't easy after this point there were still moments of challenge of difficulty of pressure and of fear in fact, these, most of these disciples actually were killed for their faith. They were killed for their faith because they chose to follow Jesus. And yet what changed for them, what changed for them was this moment of realising who was in their boat. Jesus, the one who is powerful to calm the winds and the waves, was with them in their everyday. And he's with you. He's with you. I believe that Jesus um, wants to show you today who he is. These disciples, they've been walking with Jesus already for a, um, for a few years. They, as I said, they've been listening to Jesus teach. They've been walking around, seeing him doing miracles and, um, and healing people. But in this moment, they realise something new. They realise really, truly who Jesus is. And maybe you're here today and you've been around church for a few years. You kind of, maybe you've grown up in a Christian family or you've been around church for a few years. Um, but you've still got that question, Jesus, who are you really? Who are you really? And I believe that Jesus wants to show you today that he's powerful, that he cares, and that he's close. Jesus is powerful. He's powerful in the storms of your life. He's powerful with the things which feel too big. Jesus cares. He cares about the stuff in your life. He cares about the small things and the big things, and that he's with you. He's with you in your everyday. I'd love to pray um, for that in a, in a little bit. But just, just as we end, um, I just wanted to say as well that um, I believe there's some people here today who, um, who feel like, yeah, you know what, I, I really know um, Jesus. I know who he is. And I, f- I feel like I'm, I'm confident that even in the storms of my life, he's with me. Um, but you look at the world around you and you think there's so much, there's so many storms happening. You look at your friends' lives and you think, gosh, what on earth is happening there? 
you, you look at um, maybe your family or other situations in the world, maybe um, kind of on a global level as well, you look at um, the injustice that um, we, we see in our world and you think, there's so many storms around me. And I believe that God wants to, to equip you today to carry peace into those storms. Notice um, there's a ver- there's, in, in verse 36, there's a little phrase um, when the disciples are, are going off to the other side of the lake. And in verse 36, it says, uh, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. There were also other boats with him. Imagine what it would been like for those, other, those guys in the other boats. They don't have Jesus with them. Jesus isn't in their boat, but they're, they're going along. They experience the storm in the same way. And then suddenly it stops. They must have been like, what the heck has just happened? How on earth is, like, how on earth is a storm, this thing which we thought was going to kill us, suddenly stopped? Imagine what, when they got into harbour on the other side of the lake. Imagine those conversations. What, what just happened? There was this massive storm. I thought we were going to die and then suddenly it stopped. And I believe that that's an invitation for the disciples who were in Jesus' boat, the people who knew him, who experienced something different, to actually speak of the Jesus that they know, to speak of the peace who's in their boat. I think this is a moment, um, this moment is an invitation to lead. And I believe that today there's going to be moments where Jesus invites you to lead. As you look at the storms um, around you, as you look at your friends' lives, as you look at global issues, as you look um, just at your everyday, there's going to be moments where Jesus is inviting you to say, you carry peace. The Holy Spirit is with you, so you carry peace and so you can live differently in those moments. And again, this isn't about you being, it's all fine, I'm okay, I don't have to worry about the storm. No, 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 no. Leadership's not about that. These disciples, they experience the storm. They know the storm. But in that, in that moment, they know who's in their boat. And that's what leadership is. The storm doesn't disqualify us from leading. But for followers of Jesus, leadership is about pointing people to the peace who is in our boat. Weakness, vulnerability, crying out to God for help. These things don't disqualify you from leadership. There are still moments for me where I want to pull back, where actually that fear still rises up in me, that sense of embarrassment of what are people going to say if I step out? What are people going to say if I offer to pray for them or I choose to live differently? What are people going to say? But in those moments, I remind myself that Jesus is my peace. I carry something different because Jesus is with me because the Holy Spirit lives inside of me. So I'd love um, to invite Liz and Josh up and we're just going to pray um, to finish. And um, yeah, I think, I think particularly a couple of things which I'd love to pray for um, is firstly for, um, for people who feel like actually the storm is just too big. The storm that I'm in is just too big. Um, and I wonder, um, we had a, had a word before um, the conference that maybe there are people for whom your family life is really difficult. Um, and maybe particularly your, uh, the, the relationship between your parents is really, really difficult at the moment. Um, and you're like, the only way this is going to change is for a miracle. The only way this is going to change um, is if something really significant happens and God, God changes this. And so we'd love to pray for you if, if you feel like actually um, the storm is just too big. Um, but I'd also love to pray for people who, who feel like, actually, you know what? Um, I want to step out and lead. I know that there's something that Jesus has put inside of me. I know and have confidence that I'm called to live differently. Um, but I want to know what that looks like. I want to know and be equipped to, to think through, actually, how do I lead with peace in these moments?